Francis, uh, one of your co-hosts from Trifecta Ecosystems, I'm with Dave Menard from Eartha Kalina, Chris DeMauro from Sublime Exposure Online, and our guest uh, guest host today is the, the one and only Ojala Naeem. How you doing? Doing well. I'm uh, Managing Director at Reset, but I want to introduce my new title as well. It's uh, Dave Basher. Yep, yeah, we had to bring <laughs> one on because we've been way too nice to Dave lately. Wait, so. Man, I, every time you're on the podcast, <laughs> I, and I can't stop it. That's the thing. I just <laughs> every time we say we're, we're going to invite her back, and then Dave's like, no, no. 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 Oh, that's <laughs> the, so that, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I had to force myself in today. I was like, yeah, all right, guys. Yeah. And so we're at the uh, Connecticut uh, Connecticut Technology Council's Innovation Summit today, and we're doing a live recording, which is very exciting. And so our guest today is Micah Greenberg from Language Zen. Hi, guys. Micah, why don't you tell us a little bit about Language Zen? Sure. So Language Zen is a language learning web application where we use a type of artificial intelligence uh, called machine learning to create an entirely personalized experience for every single user. So as you're going through the program, it's not putting you on a static linear course. It's able to detect the exact things you're strong in, uh, where you're having trouble as an individual user, Mm -hmm. and builds an entirely personalized uh, experience around that for you in real time. So you're practicing the material Mm -hmm. uh, that's most relevant for you, that's most meaningful and helpful. Uh, It also lets you learn a lot more flexibly. So you can learn through music, you can learn through interest, from flirting with somebody to asking for directions. Nice. So basically Tinder in Spanish. So we get to do (laughs) that. Like, (laughs) so so is that what we're talking about? Is that how how we're gonna do machine learning? At least on your Tinder date, you'll know what to say. Exactly. Okay. Donde está la biblioteca? Only gets you so far. Exactly. Donde está? Yeah. Exactly. Quay. I do. I do know where the library is. Okay. I do know. Wow, uh, that that sounds actually really interesting. So this is this is the new Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone's back in the the Stone Age. We're now we're going using oh, real wow, learning. Oh, look at that pun! Yeah. Look at that pun! Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We're <laughs> see what I did there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but no, now we're now we're you know using modern language learning techniques and and really getting to how people learn. I mean, it's really that you have professional polyglots, people who make their money doing blogs about how that they have learned other languages. You have Benny Lewis, you have some of Tim Ferriss's writing well, on Tim that. Well, Tim Ferriss is like one of the big proponents, right? I Absolutely. mean, he's the, one, he's the one that says, uh, learn by interacting, not necessarily by the, the, the books, right? The, the, the in-class stuff. I mean, interacting, but also creating a lot of, integrating a lot of other techniques. Like he yeah. talks about relevancy, yep. other things there. And the thing is, is that you can build a really efficacious experience for yourself just on your own, but it's a really grueling experience developing that for yourself. So we saw these best practices already exist, and we were able to create an entire system around it through the machine learning, through the automation. Uh, so really taking what folks who have devoted their lives to packing this process mm-hmm. do, but needing it, but making it so that the person doesn't actually need to put into work to build it themselves. Yeah. And so, for example, like we, for the main course, the main area, yeah. We data mine spoken conversation to teach you the things you're actually going to hear and use most often in the real world first. Because I remember if you're doing uh, other programs like Rosetta Stone, mm-hmm. teach you the elephant is wet. Yes. Yeah. It's like I, I've never I've never <laughs> met an elephant, and and <laughs> yes, I don't care if they're wet or not. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in like uh, like more fun ones, more efficacious yeah. ones, Zen Rosetta Stone, yeah. like Duolingo, like well, that's the, what I was going to think. Yeah. Duolingo. 
the boy has milk. Yeah. Like, the oh, boy. Okay. Yes, yes. Cool. <laughs> I use that sentence every day. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we wanted to make it practical. We wanted to make it personalized. We wanted to make it flexible. Mm-hmm. So how did this come about? I mean, were you uh, learning another language? Are, are you? Flu- I assume you're maybe fluent, or mm-hmm. at least know a couple more words than Donde esta biblioteca. But uh, I mean, everybody on the team has been through the experience of learning new languages mm-hmm. from scratch, from wow. zero to conversational proficiency. Oh, I, I, I speak two languages, which is the least of anybody on the team. Yeah. Most is six and a half. Wow. Jeez. Wow. So basically, <laughs> like in my book, that's like you can talk to way more people. My, oh, my yeah. girlfriend wouldn't like that because then I could talk to again more people at the bar <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's like i mean that we're afraid it, that more people would hear you yes exactly. yes that's, 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 that's the biggest thing right but i mean it is one of those things where um i mean as english speakers there are a lot of people in the world right that we can talk to but there's a lot of people we can't talk to and with americans we we i you can probably correct me if i'm wrong but we have the least percentage of like people who are dual speakers <laughs> or no multiple languages right I can't compare to every country yeah. out there, but definitely compared to Europe and areas yeah. where you do have more countries nearby, more languages nearby. Yeah. I mean, I speak one language, bad English. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you know, I, I'm probably pretty representative I, of that segment of America. I would actually love to try this software. So, so learning another language is something that's always been fascinating to me. But I also am the person who took eight years of French in like high school and a little bit of college, and speak horribly. Just, just you know broken words here and there that I can pick up and I can point to things in many languages. Um, <laughs> so I just, you know, but the idea, so it's always been a challenge where I never felt like I was a person who could learn another language. But if I found a tool that, that where I thought the learning would actually help me learn, where it's it wasn't just, yeah. 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 I mean, I can relate to that going through high school. <clears throat> I, I didn't think that I had any natural affinity to learn new languages. I think that so much of it does have to do with not doing the standard way that it's taught through finding what yep. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I could, I could, I will say is I, I did, a, I started a community center when I was in college and uh, one day I was there and doing some tutoring and mentoring and stuff and there's a group of uh, uh, high school students and they're all Spanish speaking and, and I, I was just kind of listening, listening in because I can understand a little bit, right? I, 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 like Dave, I went through six years of Spanish in both <laughs> high school and college um, and basically knew nothing <laughs> out of that. Um, but uh, so I was talking to them or, or listening to them and they're like, oh, so they got scared. They're like, oh, you speak Spanish? And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I, was like, I was like, I understand a little bit. And then they asked me, it was kind of funny. They asked me, they're like, oh, have you taken Spanish class? I go, yeah, six years. They go, you're not fluent yet. <laughs> you know, they, they were just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, they're all, you know, 14 years old, 15. <laughs> um, but then I went uh, on uh, a trip to Nicaragua and it was 14 days or, you know, 12, 14 days. And every night you'd sit down at a dinner table with your host family. And again, everybody spoke Spanish. And I learned more in that 12 days than yeah. I did in the six years, right? Because, I mean, just interacting, trying to just piece it together. I, I also got yelled at too many times for not using the proper Usted. Usted is very formal family. Yes, very formal. And they kept on getting wrong. I'm just like, I'm sorry, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but again, learn more <clears throat> in that 12 days than in six years worth of, like, you know, education. I mean, I did five years of Latin, and all I got out of that is Semper Ubi Sub Ubi. And uh, <laughs> I'll let the Latin guys figure that one out. That's a fun one. Yeah, well, that's just a dead language, though. So. <laughs> You're a dead language. <laughs> so, so what did you do before language then? Uh, startup stuff. I founded two profitable companies previously. Uh, first one was in college nice. and did business development with uh, Solar Alon, which was a solar integration company okay. for mm-hmm. a commercial uh, projects. Did some lead, uh, found a lead generation company. Okay. 
Uh, but coming from the business side, my co-founder and partner, the uh, CTO of the company and really the one who came up with the basis and really built out all of our core learning algorithms. Mm-hmm. And about nearly four years ago, he was showing me a really basic rudimentary uh, algorithm to teach the 500 most commonly used Spanish verbs adaptively. And I mean, super basic prototype, but we started talking about the core technology and how it could be used to hit every single pain point we experienced mm-hmm. and then started nerding out about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what we could do. And that, I mean, that's kind of the cool thing, being on the business side. Uh, previously with the companies I founded, it was all about doing operations better. It was taking, a, with the bike company that I started in college, it was taking a new logistical model and applying it to bikes. Uh, with other companies, it can be, you know, we can do best practices better than 95% of the other people here and it's a big market, great. But with language then, and I think with a good technology company in general that's really doing something that is more novel, it was really exciting for me saying we're not just having like a better operation standpoint, we're not just having like a optimal team, we're actually building something that is Mm -hmm. really new and actually helpful. You're being innovative. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not just being efficient. (laughs) I was going to say, you know what I love is that we're having this conversation in the middle of the Innovation Summit, and we have a hundred some odd companies all around us, um, and people going to each other's booths and tables and talking, sharing ideas, and it's all built on nerding out. (laughs) You know, I mean, I mean, and everybody here, whether they're going to admit to it or not, is is you know nerding out currently and nerded out to get here, (laughs) and. And we'll be nerding out in the future about what they learned here. <laughs> and and it just shows the primacy of the nerds, which which is that we've taken over the world it, prior to Trump. And <laughs> so I, I just, you know, I think this is, uh, it, it, it's remarkable. What, what, I mean, if you're, in, I mean, the Innovation Summit has been around for 10 years now, but if you were in Connecticut six, seven years ago, it, it's, it wasn't like this. Nope, not at all. Dave's getting ready to bust out the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that is very nerdy. I that, 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 that could potentially be the downfall of everything we've built over the last six or seven yeah. years. Yeah. Never getting podcast, mean. just yeah. a podcast yeah. of a D and D game. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Actually, I mean, I'm literally the only person on my team that doesn't play D and D. Seriously? I am. I so, so, so actually, one of the big they things when, like, when, when we got the team <laughs> together, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna do, you know, twice a month. We're gonna, we're gonna get together and have like these, like, uh, um, uh, you know, cocktail nights or whatever, you know, happy hours." And it just turned into like D and D, and I was just like, "Uh, I don't <laughs> play D and D. I can't sit for five hours and yeah. play a game." That's pretty uh, lame, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, I know. <laughs> Not nerd. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the bro of the, of the team. All right, you I'm are the definitely the, the bro. <laughs> I just, just want to know why I wasn't invited. Well, Bastards. you can't. We have our own, we, you're, you're still not cool enough. No, think about that. I know. It's, it's so. It's in, like high school all over again. So it's so intense that they actually they actually have their own Slack group for D and D. And one of the the guys on the, on the D and D squad is in California. So he, they literally do a Skype every time. They it's play D and D over Skype. That's oh yeah, yes. Is that, for how do for you, four or five I, hours, they have a whole table. I want to ask <laughs> how you do that, but I don't want to know my the office, answer. The so office that I work at legitimately is a D and D table. It's, like, it's like an eight foot table with D and D, and then like all their work stuff is like on the side. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Like priorities, people. Yeah. But back to language then. <laughs> <laughs> There's new. There's languages in D and D, right? There's like. Oh, stop with this. <laughs> yeah, yes, when language then can teach us orc, then we can. Uh, <laughs> herk, herk. Yep. 
<laughs> so, so Micah, were you uh, you from Connecticut? I am, yeah, from yeah. Stanford originally. Nice. Did you uh, where did you go to school? Uh, USC in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. nice. So, so the the whole uh, California vibe didn't keep you there. You you went you came back to the East Coast. I know. I just wanted the frigid <laughs> temperatures, <laughs> the gray, and all the trees dying in middle of November. Oh, come on! It's like the it's prettiest beautiful. thing ever. <laughs> it's actually pretty, pretty ugly. Who, right who now. knew death would be so beautiful? <laughs> oh, fall is pretty. Like the week after fall, like yeah. a little bit less. Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed my time in California a lot, uh, but liked coming back here. Also, I'm in the part of Connecticut that's right next to New York City. Yeah, so, so you're, 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 you're actually in New, New York. York City. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not. Yeah. You're not oh, from Connecticut. On. You are from New York. <laughs> I mean, I normally don't share this, but you know, fine. Podcast for the world. If we were in like a kind of like messed up Ukraine situation, where it's every state for themselves, I think I'd probably be the separatist in like. <laughs> <Connecticut>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure well, you'd have a lot of I mean, people you with you. Don't, you don't even you don't even get Connecticut news, right? It's all New York news down there. Uh, mostly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> except for News Twelve, uh, the ultimate news source of southwestern Connecticut. That's uh, still New York. Like, yeah, come on, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty niche. I didn't know that that it's, was. It's, not to bash on News Twelve. I know this is a Connecticut broadcast. I have great respect for the news men and women of News Twelve, Connecticut. I <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> <Nice> see. <laughs> well, guess what? He's from Massachusetts, so it's, it's, it's kind true. of like a it's kind true. of a thing that we don't tell people too uh, much. Except every yeah, other except podcast, every other podcast. Every other podcast, we bring it up. So now, what, what is Language Zen doing here today at the Innovation Summit? What are you guys hoping to get out of this? Uh, we're doing a fundraising round, and mm-hmm. we already have a decent chunk committed, but wanted to present in another place, see if there were folks in the mm-hmm. Connecticut venture community uh, who are around and would be interested in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so if you can tell us, what are you uh, looking to raise? Uh, we're raising 800000 Okay. Nice. Great. We're already uh, cash flow positive. It gets us to additional languages, though, acceleration on native mobile, because... We're doing well, but we only have Spanish on web, which is huh. pretty need, limiting. Yeah, yeah, you need the mobile, right? Yeah, the mobile's the big part. Mobile we, have Andro- yeah. we have Android coming out in like a month and a half. Sweet. But even then, like we, more than forty percent of the people hitting our site want to learn French. So, yeah, people still want to learn French. I want to learn French. It's the language <laughs> of love. <laughs> it is the language of love. It's a beautiful language. Uh, a lot of our users are from the UK, so I, maybe really, right across really. the channel. Yeah, I am three quarters Canadian French, so I. <laughs> oh, I knew I didn't like you. It's all right. The French don't consider you like real. No, I know. I'm a Canuck. No one likes you, Dave. Wow. So, oh, so, so are you, uh, you go back to people, Canada? Yeah, most They're people are nice. from the UK. Uh, yeah, I'll agree on that one. Uh, not the majority, but a disproportionate Dis- chunk. And really? Australia. Really? really? Yeah. Those are huh. kind of interesting. What about the U.S.? I mean, do you get a decent amount from the U.S.? Uh, definitely. We get the majority from the U.S., okay, okay. but U.S. is way bigger. Well, Less right. from Canada. Disproportionate, like, small amount from Canada. Because they and already no. can speak French. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. And that's all they want to know. So. It's not real French, Dave. <laughs> oh my God! Wow, that's it's Canadian bitter. French. Yeah, that's yeah. like we're gonna have a lot of angry emails, like a bunch of emails we can't read. We're gonna need language then. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was suggesting that it was just because Canadians are very polite. You know, they would be like afraid of like butchering somebody's language. You know, that's yeah, a good point. I think I think the angry emails gonna be directed at Ojala. It's yeah, gonna be a lot of Canadians. Oh, it's because I'm the only female on this pod. Really, uh, we're playing that card now, Dave. Really? Yeah, he's wow. going after you. French with um, an agenda. How do you say sorry in French? You know what I mean? That's probably what the Canadians are really interested in. <laughs> you probably could build Diesel a whole life. app around just that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like bro. Actually, sorry. never mind. I'm, I'm taking that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. 
Yeah, we need to write a dealing chat for how to speak yeah. bro. We'll so, <laughs> so you said uh, it's been, what, four years since kind of the initial kind of nerding out sesh to, to this point. Yeah. And I, I guess the question is, since you are, you know, kind of in Connecticut and Stanford, have you u- <laughs> utilized the, uh, the the Connecticut ecosystem? Like what has it, ha- have you um, used Stanford Innovation Center, you know, Connecticut Innovations, um, or have you gone over the, the, you know, to New York and use their resources? So... Well, I know that there's a, an explicit warning, right? Yes. Yeah, so so I'm, okay. not, I'm not going to swear, but I guess I will be very candid. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, want. Please. I don't think that there is that much of a Connecticut ecosystem. There might be something that's okay. burgeoning, but I think that it has such a long way to go from areas that have it more. And I think part of that you do look at, I love the space and the Connecticut Innovation Center. They're very nice people, mm-hmm. but it's not set up in a way that traditional uh co-working spaces are in areas that attract more tech. Uh, The prices are at market rate or above market rate, so you're not going to get lots of scrappy people in by and large. Mm -hmm. It's open to a lot of professionals, which are cool. It's awesome to have places where they can work, but at the same time, if you're having a lot of lawyers and the one marketing guy in Connecticut, (laughs) it's going to be very different than if you're having a bunch of tech companies. And because there aren't that many tech companies, I don't Mm -hmm. think you're getting the serious investors from New York coming up to be able to take a look at the companies there. So if, now, specifically yeah. talk about the Stanford Innovation Center. Yeah. Is that, okay. I mean, I think that if there, you know, if there was a pitch competition or people were able to share what they were doing with their companies and okay. they were attracting, they're having subsidized, like really like dirt cheap stuff from people from New York, from New Haven, from other areas to come, you could probably build mm-hmm. more of a critical mass. But I don't think it's gotten to that point. Yeah. Now, have you ever, have you reached out at past Stanford or like have you gone to stuff in New Haven, Hartford, um, kind of like the other other kind of place in the state or? Into Connecticut. Yeah, into, into Connecticut. Yeah, into like, Connecticut. Have you actually come into Connecticut? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not as much, although some of the early commits that we have gotten for the current round as well as a couple funds which we're more deep into conversations with are local Stanford Greenwich based. Really? Uh, okay. It's, so there is something to, to be said of being local, being able to just go 10 minutes and you're at their you're at their office or yep. they're at yours but I think it was like just really good luck because I met one of them through initial investor who I met in New York and I met yeah. another one through an event in New York yeah so uh, what let me ask, what kind you you touched on some t- topics of the co-working space market you know it should be more more below market rate or at least for uh, tech companies right right uh how, how what could connecticut do to attract more tech companies no but besides you know what you already touched on uh what are some things you know that would really get you to take another look at connecticut as a startup ecosystem i think when you're looking at a startup ecosystem it's a feedback loop, a positive feedback mm-hmm. loop between interesting companies and investors who are investing in them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you're looking at making Connecticut attractive, it's taking care of both sides of the loop. And it doesn't necessarily mean... Start, so it's a higher order of business to start to start from the ground up, create local Connecticut yep. companies from scratch, because we don't have developer hubs like you do in other areas. Yep. It's harder to start a team here, in some, in some areas at least. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're, we are so close to New York in the southern part of the state and so close to Boston in the northern yep. part that having incentives for investors to invest in startup companies in Connecticut and having good opportunities, incentives for startups to come down into Connecticut, and rather than it being a statewide thing, 
deciding on one or two hubs, maybe Stanford in the south and somewhere in the north for more yeah. of the Boston area, but committing to those areas where there is going to be a critical mass of startup people, that there can be more hiring, that there can be people coming up, so ultimately you're attracting business from the surrounding states. Mm -hmm. So we need innovation places. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the that's, new yes, thought. That is, that is the new thought. <laughs> Finally get into that stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, and I think you, you really are touching on some really important points. These are, we hear the same thing from a lot of startup. People have trouble making those connections between the finance and the good ideas and the places to work and all that stuff. And I, I do think that Connecticut has made strides. But on the other hand, we're still hearing the same problems. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we part of the reason we do this podcast is we're trying to, you know, get out there that there are still these issues and maybe someone will come up with a solution somewhere. Yeah, I think part of the problem is also that there's not enough information being put out for businesses in terms of awareness of what resources mm -hmm. exist. So, you know, there's some, you look at it from a funding perspective, there's some great opportunities through DECD. I know Fresh Farm yep. has looked into it, but you'd be surprised how many companies don't know about that. I mean, you're talking like $500,000 that you could you know, fairly easily be able to bring in. Um, and, and most people don't know about that. Um, and I'd like to learn about that. I'll talk yeah, to you later. Yeah. <laughs> as, as long as you like jump, jumping through hoops. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously there's Flaming hoops. hoops. But, 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 <laughs> Ten feet in the air. But it's still something that you might not be able to get from New York yeah. or from Massachusetts, no, right? And, sure, and, yeah. and then there's also a lot of, I think, other hidden gems. I mean, you, you look at the startup ecosystem here in Connecticut. It's grown a lot. There's yeah. a lot happening. There's a lot of activity. I think as a state, we're doing a really terrible job of marketing that and marketing the assets that already exist. We're so eager to jump ahead and say, okay, what more can we pull in? What more can we do? But we're not talking about what's already happening here. Does anyone know how much money has been invested into Connecticut startups? No, but I'll tell you, it's a shit ton. And someone's got to pull Explicit. that information together yeah. and, and put it out there and say, hey, here's what we have done. Because otherwise, you'll have you know people saying, look, there's nothing here in Connecticut. Why yep. should I stick around? Uh, actually, let, let me ask you this, Micah. Um, do you feel like it's easier to get lost in New York, in the New York startup crowd, because it is there's so much going on there? Do you think it might be easier to stand out in Connecticut? You know, kind of like an outsider perspective. Like, do you ever feel like there's just so much going on that you, you have a hard time getting attention? Uh, I felt that way a little bit in, in the Bay Area. Okay. Uh, less so in New York. All right. Uh, because it is a smaller area, and I think that we are a mm -hmm. fairly differentiated company. Mm -hmm. I think that in Connecticut, there's also not... I know that there's some VC funds in Connecticut, like the ones that I I came it's across, but they don't do Connecticut stuff. Like, like, like you're, the, you're the outlier, right? You're the outlier to them investing? <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. you come to an event like this, and there aren't, like, that many funds. There's some local, There's some local angels, but it seems like a lot of... The faces that you see very often, I think, are actually a minority of the people who would be open to doing angel investing or the funds that are even based in the area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I actually agree with that. I think that, I mean, one of the biggest problems Connecticut has is the largest VC funding source in Connecticut is a <laughs> partially government-run entity, you know, uh, Connecticut Innovation. So it's really, uh, it's definitely one of the biggest challenges it faces. I, I don't... I don't feel like we're, we're, we're lacking for potential entrepreneurs. <coughs> People keep coming up year after year. There's new ideas. There's new, new things happening. I'm seeing a lot at universities. I, I, I'm just not seeing any attention drawn to them. And so that would be 
It would be a very good thing yeah. to change. Now, uh, other than the funding, obviously, you know, funding is a, a big, uh, big thing, and, and uh, you get to the point <laughs> where that's like the the thing your business needs, right, to get to the next level. But what were some of the other key resources or other challenges you've had over the past four years? Uh, you know, you said your co-founder was one kind of coming up with the algorithm, so you have the technical expertise there. But was there any other big challenges that you had to overcome? Honestly, I'd say that the biggest thing in this process was fundraising for us. Uh, that it because everything was much clearer than the fundraising process. So I know that I remember what back in 2012, like 2013 maybe? Yeah, 2013. Yep. I took a, uh, I just audited a class there about raising funds. And so as a first time, as, a, as an early company, yep. people are only looking at the team. Right. Well, exactly. so, they're betting on the jockey, not the horse, right? Yeah, but then, you know, okay, I founded two profitable companies, but they were in venture companies. So they were lifestyle, nice, had it on the side. Which is, okay. Uh, you know, my partner's very smart guy, good background, but we weren't able to get funded on the team. Yep. And then we go through and they say, okay, we're going to make a beta, a basic proof of concept. So we have yep. a beta. Okay, cool. Uh, didn't get funded on the beta. Then we go out and we say, okay, we're going to launch a full product, see that people are actually using it. It's a positive experience. People can use it. We do that. Uh, well, they want to make sure that it's more efficacious. Okay, cool. We're here to build a better mousetrap. Absolutely. Yep, okay. So we do efficacy study, apples to apples with our competitors, same researcher who did theirs. They so, they show that we blow Rosetta Stone, do lingo out of the water. That's, we'd really like to see more revenue. See that people are willing to pay for us a crowded <laughs> the, the, space. The same, like the same people. Like you're going back to the same to the same well. And sometimes the same people. Okay. Sometimes just a different set because you're going up and you're getting different things. Okay. And then you go out and you have revenue. Uh, it's not enough. Not really proof of concept. Okay, we'll see more revenue. And so finally, we have, I guess, enough that we're finally getting some interest and we're getting people talking. But from my perspective, it's like, okay, seven, years, seven months ago, we were the same, very similar product, same team, and wouldn't really look at us, even though I'll be with, you, with yeah. all the past things in place. But then, you know, you 3X your numbers, you 4X your numbers, and... Yep then it's a different situation. It's but interesting. It, we just yeah. heard this from, an, you know, we've yeah. done multiple podcasts today. You're not the first company to say this in this order. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, no. And, and, but so I guess the question uh, to me is that, one, like, did you use, like, the lean startup kind of mentality or, like, kind of uh, kind of approach to, to starting the business? And then, two, the second question would be, like, it seemed like from the beginning, I mean, you're an app. So obviously, you know, raising money for an app isn't unheard of. Raising money for a company that's an app that doesn't have any revenue isn't unheard of. Slowing down now like the the venture capital mm -hmm. funds are so so i mean from the beginning you had the mentality like we are raising money you were then they said no and you're like okay well what's the next step right that's kind of how it, it kept on going yeah or? i mean fortunately because i did have some past successes yep. with we were able to continue uh bootstrapping and doing all of that mm -hmm. uh but you know we're very far above our competition we would be where we are right now a year ago had if you had the money exactly yep. yeah so i guess i guess here's the question though is it <clears throat> Are you actually in a better position to ask for money now and giving up less? Or I mean, certainly our valuation is better yeah. than what we were looking at before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being said, you know, in the startup game, it is about speed. Yeah. So well, it is, of course. We're iterating very quickly, which is nice. And in terms of lean startup, I think building something where we've have we're actively getting a lot of our users from Duolingo, which is not only better than Rosetta Stone, but that's, it's also free. And it's perfect, and it's also, you know, shows that your competitor isn't up to par. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, and so, that like, I was always measuring us against Duolingo. Okay. Uh, because they're growing and Rosetta Stone is not, and also yeah. they're free, so if you can get people... And we're free to use on, like, a very... on a more casual basis, yeah. but 
more dedicated learners, they find it worthwhile to upgrade normally. Yeah. So, yeah, being able to <laughs> prove ourselves on the consumer space against it was very validating yeah. uh, for us. So have you, have you reached out to Tim Ferriss yet? Have you pinged him? Have you pinged him to use it? I mean, I know he invested in Duolingo. I know he's an advisor there, and, and he loves learning languages. We have a couple of buddies with uh, Tim Ferriss who reached out initially more in the fundraising stage. I know that he's he stopped fundraising exactly. Yeah, it was, he took the it whole break. It was like a month. It, it was, was like, like a month after. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to his podcast. You're like, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I was like working like the perfect like warm introduction for like <laughs> six months, and then it's like okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that sucks. Well, there goes that pitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully he comes back to it. It's know? a, it's a, probably be a, hopefully long past funding then. But the nice thing is, is being here, being cash flow positive, being able to really create your own path. It's a nice, it's a nice situation to have that at least as an option. Yeah. Yeah. So your uh, so the website is up. People can use it. Yep. LanguageZen.com. Uh, LanguageZen.com. And what's what are the fees or. So it's free to use casually. Uh, you After your first uh, 45 minutes or so, you're limited to 15 minutes every three hours of learning. If you want to have unlimited learning, access to all the songs, all the special courses, it ranges between eight and $13 per month, depending for how long you commit to. Great. I literally spent more on coffee this morning. Like, <laughs> yeah. literally. And if somebody wants to reach out to you besides languagezen.com, is there any other way they can find out more? Uh, info at languagezen.com or nope, feedback. Click the feedback. Are you on the Facebook? I am. All right. We are on the Facebook. Okay. Cool. So book of faces. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yes. Thanks a lot, Mike. We appreciate we appreciate you dealing with our tangents as well. <laughs> And Ojala, thank you for keeping Dave in his place. Yeah. No problem. Hey, what's going on with this Dave Menard podcast? Did no, you guys change the name? No, 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 no. he's just trying no. to. Why would to... anyone ever think that would be a good? I know. We ask ourselves that. Okay, for or... listeners who can't see any of this, we're we're in we're in a booth that was set up for this the Innovation Summit, and instead of putting CT Startup Podcast, because I was the one who dealt with the convention staff. They, called it the Dave Menard podcast and yeah. put it up on the wall. It's an excuse where we're, we're, we're going to say it's a little fishy. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. believe that. I think Dave just wanted to f- see his name up oh, in lights. Oh, I think there's know. problems with your microphone, Ojala. Ah. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Micah, for your patience. And uh, we really wish the best for language. And when you get funding and uh, when you get another language on there, come back and talk to us. Yeah. Sounds perfect. That would be awesome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the CT Startup Podcast. We want to thank our audio sponsor, the Murphy Kalina Law Firm, our guests for their time and input, our production company, Sublime Exposure Online, and of course you, our listeners, for helping make all this possible. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, our webpage at ctstartup.com, and our Twitter at ctstartupcast. And please make sure to join our newsletter for all the latest information on the connected startup. Show.